Here we go. Episode 46, Sports Nuts and Beer Guts, coming at you. We are going to start off this week letting you know that it was, in fact, two days ago, Florida man, luckily he was arrested. I don't know if you saw this video on the internet. Uh, Florida man, it was a Florida man who was arrested for sucker punching Dallas Goddard at a bar in South Dakota. Um where Dallas is from. Dude just totally sucker punched him. Chris Hickman, you guys are with us tonight. I know you guys saw the video. I mean, the dude did not see this coming at all. No, he's he's this is a big boy too. Dallas Goddard's like six five two sixty, right? Yeah. 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 Uh that was that was uh that was quite a swing he brought at him, but um I mean he I didn't mean, see it. And he's a tight end. I assume he's used to getting hit on the regular basis, and this yes. just knocked him out cold. Like the dude yeah. was on the floor. We weren't knocking out Adam Benatari. This was uh, this was serious. <laughs> so even in South Dakota, when we got brawls going on, leave it to the Florida man. I mean, at this point, guys, are we? Are, is there a stereotype around Florida man, Chris? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> As well, there should be. Uh, just remember that, Higman, if you move to Florida. That I have to contend with Florida, man. Yeah. Well, it, it means that you're one step closer to sucker punching Dallas Goddard. Good old good old Rico over there. You don't know what he's going to grow up to be. <laughs> Rico. I, 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 oh, man, that poor boy. He's currently in uh, in Florida. And I was sent a picture with him asleep. Underneath a Florida blanket, broke my heart. Mm. He's already a Florida man. I told I told my wife that's why he's not sleeping well. <laughs> Rico's coming back a Florida man, Hickman, and there's nothing not he can do about it. Not happening. Although yesterday he did invent the burrito pizza, so <laughs> things are going well. <laughs> Was that that video you sent us? Yeah, at least she asked what he wanted for dinner, and he said burrito pizza. <laughs> I couldn't understand what he was saying, but that's real funny. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, um, we would be remiss if we went any further before we said big congratulations to a Nathaniel Collett and a Victoria, formerly known as Cass. Um, Chris, did you want to mention the nickname that you told me to remember her, how to pronounce her last name? I think it rhymes with ass. Clever. Thank you, thank you for that help. Because Cass was so hard to remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I had a couple Tito's. I was just making sure you had it. C A S S. I was pretty sure it's the only way I was going to pronounce it. Um, got got hitched down in Alabama this past week. Super fun wedding. Um, and I'm actually sipping on a bottle that Natty gave me of Rowan's Creek Bourbon. Bardstown bourbon. We got to get back to the sports nuts and the beer guts part of the of the podcast. Um, super good bourbon uh, comes in at a hundred proof, but there's a whole lot of cinnamon coming in at this. So if you're a if you're a fan of Fireball or anything like that, um, it's not the sugary Fireball taste. It's just good old Thanks. bourbon with a with a whole lot of cinnamon on the tongue. Uh, highly recommend it. Good pick by Natty, um, and many well wishes. I told Natty I'll only do one wedding per person, so this one better last. <laughs> we got a few topics we're going to go into. We got some sports going on. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about 
you know, what the, what the COVID is doing, but we also going to talk a little bit about peaches and how much you should spend when buying a bushel. Is that how you buy peaches in bushels? Sure. In buckets, uh, pounds. I don't know. We're going to talk a little bit about peaches. First up, that's probably been the biggest topic that has been all over sports for the last week. The Talladega race, you had a noose that was found and the FBI said, ah, to be honest with you, that's not a hate crime because that noose has been there for quite some time, which again, I still don't understand how NASCAR allows that kind of stuff to happen. Um, but luckily we got something to talk about that's, that is sports related when it comes to NASCAR. And there was a finish at Talladega. And if I remember right, Chris, the guy that finished third actually crossed the finish line backwards. He did. He did. He, he, <laughs> actually came really close to winning backwards (laughs) i mean it was a ricky bobby uh uh, scene um so chris did you did you watch the whole race the end of the race um so it came on at two uh, i was at work at two uh had it on my computer at work so i was listening to it kind of peeking at it every once in a while uh came home when i got home i watched the rest of it uh phenomenal race talladega uh just makes for great racing. I mean, people are just bumping the whole way. I mean, you got a bump draft there, and uh, in that last lap, I mean, the last place you want to be is in the in the in the lead because somebody's going to get bumped and and get a run on you, and it's just a matter of hanging on. Uh, it's kind of like, like you don't want to be in the lead going in the fourth quarter playing NBA Jam because you yeah. ain't winning. Uh, that's that same same thing. Uh, but no, Blaney did awesome. Uh, Emerald, he was in sixth place and somehow got turned around. And and next thing you know, he's finishing third backwards. Uh, <laughs> but the ending was phenomenal. Uh, so kudos to NASCAR putting on a good race. Also, kudos to NASCAR for picking racetracks that people would actually want to watch races at. Uh, I think that's been a good thing for NASCAR so far. They picked some good tracks. Higman, any increase in NASCAR for you? Uh, not for me personally, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw the the end of this one, and that sort of made me a little more interested. Back in the day, I used to love watching watching Talladega races when I would watch NASCAR. What it did remind me of, however, did did either of y'all have, or I mean, sure, somebody did out there, the old NASCAR racing video game. I'm, I'm, glad, you, I'm glad you brought it NASCAR up, NASCAR Thunder? No, it wasn't. Well, I had that one too, but this was the one on the PC. NASCAR uh, Racing by Papyrus was like the brand. And back then, you know, you didn't have any sort of controls. And about the only track you could drive well on was Talladega because you had to use your little key, your pointer keys on the on the keyboard. You could customize the look of every car. It was just so awesome. Uh, but anyway, it just made me re- like remember that game when you're just pressing pressing right and up the whole way just trying to keep your car steered you know for hours till your fingers get numb on your packard bell computer uh but yeah that was that was my life in about two, 1995 but uh not sure if y'all had that but it was it brought back some fond memories I'm, i was playing nba live 95 on the sega like it was yeah the last thing ever ever in the world well, that, that was a great point. game that uh, was you put Shaq in the paint and you can't gonna stop him. No, you're not. Um, no, I I did not watch the race. Probably not gonna watch any future races. Um, Chris, I don't understand why do NASCAR races take six hours? Uh, have you tried to drive 500 miles in less than that amount of time? <laughs> well, why do like why not drive a hundred miles and you just have nonstop racing the whole time? 
I, I think it's kind of the, the same way as you want, like, uh, a football season and a baseball season. Uh, you kind of want a link that's long enough so you don't have flukish guys winning. I think that's part of the reason. Not 100% sure. Uh, just so you know, I'm also going to later in this podcast complain about baseball playing 187 million games. Um, but I don't understand why all, like, why can't they have a couple races that, Hey, we're racing 50 miles, buckle up and let's go. Um, you know, no pits, no nothing. Let's just race. Why can't they do a couple of those every year? Well, I mean, I know they have heats in some, which was always interesting. And that's how like sprint cars are done. That you don't have this big long race, you have like they, you know, they call well, it it's, it's a fifty lap heat or something now. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that. Now. Yeah, it's basically the first twenty five percent one stage, the next twenty five percent is another stage, and the last half of the race is the actual. But but okay, but the winner at the end is all that matters, right? Yeah, I mean, you get points for stage wins and whatnot. Gotcha. Okay. And they do they do like a little competition caution after the. After the stages, so people can kind of reset, kind of thing. But okay, that's, that's, to keep, that's to keep drivers on the lead lap, right there. Yeah, I think I'd be more interested because if I turn on a NASCAR race, guarantee you what's going to happen. It's a Sunday afternoon. I'm falling asleep. Like there's no way to not take a nap watching NASCAR that. on TV. Nothing wrong um, with that either. <laughs> driving them ratings up. I like it. <laughs> yep. Uh, speaking that'd of, good, that'd be a good question. What percentage of like their ratings are actually people just sleep into it? Oh, a whole lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't. Good point. It's got to be a lot. And if you turn the volume up loud enough, they'll get loud. You know, coming in the last five or six laps, and you can wake up and see what's going on. But that's a NASCAR. great sound to sleep to, though. It really is. Great. <sighs> <Yep. sighs> um, guys, we had the Belmont first race, the Triple Crown. Was it must-see TV for either one of you? It was so must-see for me that I had no clue it happened until I looked at the outline this morning. Uh, that's how must-see it was. Yeah. Um, I'll be curious how everybody figures that if, let's say, let's say the horse wins the Triple Crown, Hickman, do they get credit for being for winning the Triple Crown knowing that they're doing one race, waiting like three months before they race again, as opposed to the three weeks and five weeks they used to have? It's going to be a 2020 championship like anything else. It'll have a little asterisk next to it. Um, so, yeah, they'll get credit, but it's not going to be, you know, not exactly secretariats. Yeah, I mean, well, speaking of secretariat, Tis the Law won the Belmont by, I mean, 18 plus lengths. It wasn't even wow. close. Um, Good night. And now set a set a course record at Belmont, but Belmont is normally run at a mile and a half, and this one was run at a mile and an eighth. Um, but if you break it down, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no wonder, no wonder. But if you break it down to the mile and an eighth, um, it was the third fastest mile and an eighth ever run um, on that track. Uh, Secretariat had the fastest, so I mean it put up an impressive time, an impressive performance, um, but. It ran a mile and eighth, not a mile and a half, and it's going to do the Derby next with a whole lot of. I mean, the Derby's not until I think September. I think uh, yeah, first weekend of September, maybe. Yeah, so it's going to have three months off. Um, so I'll be curious, kind of how this plays out in the horse racing industry. Do, do you think they race it a race between there? That's a good question. Just to um, keep it fresh, kind of get it. I don't yeah, know. I mean, 
you would always say no, but at this point, let's say it loses that race. Does it matter? Like it's still in the rain and running for the triple crown. So, right. Uh, it's a good question. I would assume they have to race. You can't go three months without racing, right? I wouldn't think so. Well, I know nothing about horse racing. <laughs> well, Hickman, then, then riddle me this. This is the this is the greatest question in all of horse racing. Okay. Does the horse know it's in a race? <laughs> uh, I don't. Th- I don't think so. I think, I, here's what the horse knows: it's got blinders on, so it knows it's needing to run, and it's getting the crap beaten out of it. So uh, it knows it's supposed to run as fast as it can. Um, but, and but that's you, really all. But it can't run as fast as it can the whole time. I mean, they hold them back till the end, right? Well, right. It's taking the horse is taking direction to run at a certain pace. Maybe I should have said that. And by the end of it, as fast as they can. So I don't know. I think the horse is doing what it's told. I don't think it knows it's racing another horse. <laughs> I just love that idea. Like, does the horse know it's racing? Because you would assume, well, if it does, then every horse would want to be in the front. But we know some horses don't do well when they lead. You know, you have sprinters. And uh, but I just I just love that question that hopefully one day we'll we'll find an answer to. <laughs> does a horse know it's in a race? We'll get uh, the technology eventually. You know, does it win the Kentucky Derby and get 30 pounds of roses placed on it thinking, what the hell is going on here? Get this <laughs> off of me. <laughs> just ran as fast as I could for two minutes. Get off of me. I just want some oats. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, Chris, I got a few questions about this next topic. Oh. Major League I'm Baseball here. has reached a deal. They're playing 60 games, whether we like it or not. They didn't really reach a deal. They just said, hey, we're having a 60-game season. (laughs) So we will see 60 games played in baseball. Is this a good thing or a bad thing for baseball? Um, Well, this whole thing is a bad thing for baseball because both sides, the Players Association and owners, came off looking completely ignorant. Uh, Like, it it was just a total disaster – I don't think the disaster part of it's done. I still would be shocked if there's actually 60-game season. Uh, and that goes for pretty much all team sports in the rest of 2020. Uh, you have individual sports that are testing positive for coronavirus. So uh, team sport aspect of it. And what happens when you get one guy, two guys, three guys, seven guys on a team? It's going to spiral out of control. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a, a playoffs in 2020. Ooh, so wow. that's my... That's my prediction for that. Interesting. I mean, if you're a pitcher, if you're a starting pitcher and you see a 60-game schedule, I mean, what's that, 12 starts for somebody? Yeah. I think that's a pretty nice year for somebody. Not bad. Uh, Well, you say that, but, I mean, these guys, they they got stretched out and then they got shut down for, I don't know, three months or so. Oh, man. And so they have to get stretched back out again. Oh, uh, they got to stretch again? Oh, I know. I, I think injuries are going to be a, a quite the problem. If oh, I was geez. a pitcher, I, w- I would try to find some pre-existing reason to get out of having to go and still get a year of service time. Are these real injuries or are these, quote, injuries? Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll have real injuries, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hickman, if you're a manager – and you've got a starting pitcher who's really good, and he's only you're only getting 12 starts out of him, how tempted are you to just eight eight innings uh, an outing for, for your elite pitchers? Absolutely. You, if you got your elite pitcher and you're getting 12 games, I'm, I'm banking on 10 wins out of that. So, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to wear it out. 
because <laughs> um, part of me wonders, like, I assume, I mean, baseball's got 162 games. If you're the, if you have the best talent, eventually you just say we're playing 162 games, whether we slump at some point or not, we're uh, going to make correct. the playoffs. We're going to do yes. well. Chris, in a 60 game season, how different do you manage that team? Do you go balls to the wall the first 40 games? Do you just, you know, I, uh, you have to worry about falling too far behind because there's not enough time to make up time. Yeah. Uh, a good example of that is after 60 games last year, the Pirates were one game out of the Central. Uh, they finished the season 98 games later, 22 games out of good first gosh. place. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Uh, it's going to be a flukish season. Uh, some good team is going to uh, – some good teams going to stumble and they're probably going to miss the playoffs because, <laughs> because they just had a bad 10 game stretch. Uh, and then you're going to have a, you're going to have at least one bad team. That's not comes out of nowhere <laughs> that just, I mean, last yeah. year, the Seattle Mariners were something like 20 and six, 20 and seven. And that, that was, that was after the first month of the season. Uh, and they finished like last place in the AS or AL. Well, wow. <laughs> so, you're gonna have some flukish stuff uh, as far as teams. I, I mean, the Braves have a good team. I feel good about where they are, but at the same time, in 60 games, anything can happen. I mean, this is the year the Reds win the World Series. Yeah, they. That's your team. They have you a heard shot. it here first. Chris Sabo's getting out it, the rec specs. I think it looked at over unders on uh, baseball today, and that NL Central is really tight. They got the Cardinals at 32 and a half games, the Brewers, Cubs, and Reds all at 31 and a half for their over under. Pirates 25 and a half. But yeah, so you have uh four teams within a game over unders wise, Vegas predicts. So And I mean, do you assume in a sixty game season, thirty games get you in the playoffs? No, right? Uh, no, you have to get to thirty two, I would think. Thirty two to thirty four. Thirty two. I think thirty two is the number. Because you got to think, I mean, eighty-one and eighty-one doesn't get you close. I mean, you had you had to get to eighty-eight wins or so. So, I think you're gonna have to get to thirty-two wins. That's kind of the threshold. Reds gonna have to find a win somewhere. They're gonna win. <laughs> They're gonna win fifty-nine. Hey, luckily, luckily <laughs> they get paired up with the uh, American League Central, uh, who which is one one of if not the worst division of baseball because you get to put tigers and royals who are terrible the white Sox are trying to be good but they're still probably a year away indians are kind of i don't know what they're trying to, to lose almost so you have four teams right there not trying to win so so now that they're doing like these regional um i don't know regional like districts or uh, yeah groups are the white Sox and the cubs in the same region now Yes. So the way they're doing it is you get 10 games against your like, so you're using the Reds for an example, National League Central. They play 10 games against each of those teams for 40 games. And then that's a, that's a whole bunch of your schedule. Yeah. And then you play four games, maybe four games against each team in the inner counterpart. So the AL Central to get 20, 20 games and there's your 60 game schedule. (laughs) Well, I got a feeling the playoffs are going to be crazy then because you're going to have teams. I mean, it's not like, like, it's not like you're playing 60 games. You're like, oh, they play every team twice. 
Like, no, like you're, you're just, uh, it's your the division. first time seeing these guys like this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, now do we have any records broken this year? Any chance a player hits 400? Yes, that could happen. Yeah. I, I, I don't saw, remember how many years ago, but I saw a stat where somebody hit 400 over the 60 game stretch to open a season. Yeah. I saw it was Chipper Jones back in like 2008 or something. Chipper. One of my favorite players. Yep. Um, I think 400 is attainable due to the sample size. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's say you have a pitcher who goes 12 and 0 in his starts. Is that the ba- is that the best win percentage minimum win percentage? 12 starts? Probably. Yeah. I mean, gonna... Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, it's possible. Hegman, we're going to rewrite the record books for baseball this year. Um, can't many... wait. But most of baseball <laughs> baseball's numbers are counting stats, so they're not going to come close to getting the counting stats. Well, and that brings me to my last point about baseball that I care to talk about. Fred McGriff finished his career just shy of 500 home runs, and most you know, people like 498. 497? Yeah, and, and most oh, wow. people, most people say if he had 500, he's a shoe in for the Hall of Fame. Without it, he may not get in, and he played in a, shri- a strike shortened year, which would have certainly he would have hit two or three more home runs. Is this going to negatively impact any popular names that we would know as far as Hall of Fame or just legacies concerned? Um, um, AWOL will enjoy this, but it could impact Nick Markakis getting to 3,000 hits. Nick Markakis? Not Nick Markakis. He would be the oh. worst player to ever get to 3,000 hits. He's he's over, over 2,000 now, uh, and I don't know that he's ever made an all-star team. Uh, so that's... That's a random uh, thing. Uh, but he's not going to get 1,000 hits this season, right, Chris? No, he's not going to get 1,000 hits, but I'm just saying, like, you lose 100 games. I mean, every game matters at this point for that guy. Um, Mike Trout, who's historically good, uh, his career war will be affected because he loses 100 games from his prime. Uh, Ronald Acuna could have had a 40-40 season potentially. Acuna Matata? Acuna Matata. Uh, Nick Markakis is at twenty three fifty five right now. He is thirty five years old. He did make an All Star team. I just looked did this he? up. Yes. He's played in a staggering amount of games. Yes, he, he never one misses games. One All Star game. Well, he was thirty four. Yes. I'm That's just looking at baseball year. stats. I don't really know anything. He's been hit by fifty pitches in his career. Wow, impressive. Ooh. He'd be good on a dodgeball team. But you, you would Give me an NFL like NFL equivalent of Nick Markakis. Who's an NFL quarterback equivalent? Quarterback? Or give me a running back. I don't care. Just uh, this would help. I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Think of somebody that's just really not good, but puts up just enough stats so he's still a starter. Uh gotcha. You're you're okay. Melvin Gordon. There you go. Melvin uh, Melvin Gordon. <laughs> That's just your opinion of him. I, I think other people think he's better. But yeah, I'm right though. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I really don't know who what a comp would be there. Okay, maybe Alex somebody Smith, quarterback. Extremely extremely average. You know what you're getting gotcha. from him, and it's not going to be great. He's going to keep. Marcus. So post San Francisco Frank Gore maybe. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah, he's just try- he's just compiling the stats. I mean, he yeah, he's what, just adding them up. Yeah. Forty-five home or hits. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think COVID could cut into that. So, poor guy. 
I know. Well, somebody who's definitely better than average. I say definitely. It's, I guess that's debatable by some people. Uh, Dak Prescott signed his franchise tender, um, $31 million. He's getting paid. If you read anything from the national media, they basically say that Dak holds all the cards and he's going to get paid whatever he wants to get paid. Um, I mean, the Cowboys did sign my boy Andy Dalton. It looks like now they signed an expensive backup quarterback for this year. I mean, he's making $3 million, right? He is. Okay. Um, so not quite the uh, the salary that you would expect from a Jameis Winston type, but Andy Dalton's playing backup. National media says Dak Prescott holds all the cards. Hickman, is Dak going to sign long-term with the Cowboys? Is, I mean, basically what Dak is saying is, I ain't signing anything unless it makes me the highest paid player in the NFL history. Yeah, I don't. I think he's overplaying his hand. Um, I, I, franchise is is interesting because it's it's all about this year. Is he going to put up a big year? Is he not? Um, I this year is so unpredictable, but I just don't feel great about Dallas uh, coming through in the clutch and having a big season. Um, so. No, I think he has a mediocre year, and we're in the same boat next year, and he signs somewhere else. I mean, my issue is when you say the guy holds all the cards, there's a very real possibility that there is a limited you know, season this mm-hmm. year to where if you're betting on yourself, you're betting on something that may not happen. Um, so, I mean, supposedly the Cowboys and Dak are at the same place when it comes to how much money is involved. Cowboys want to lock him up for five years. Dak only wants to give him four years. Because he's afraid they'll franchise him for two more years, you know, give it basically make it a six-year contract. Um, so I'm not sure if he holds all the cards himself. Chris, what do you think? He does not hold the cards. Uh, I, I'm a guy that says Dak is a very average to slightly above average quarterback. He, I don't think he's ever won a playoff game. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on that one. Yes. Um, and he that's on a rookie contract. Dallas, so. I can guarantee he's not won a playoff game. That that's on a rookie contract, making less than a million dollars because he wasn't a first round pick. Uh, so yeah, that I I don't know how you pay that guy. He's won like forty five million dollars or something. I don't know how you pay him forty five, downgrade the rest of your roster, and how you're all of a sudden going to make you a playoff team. Uh, signing Zeke to the extension probably was a mistake. If we're being honest about the way the Cowboys have used their salary cap, but Dedicating $15 million to a running back in 2020 is a terrible idea. Even if you're running back Zeke or Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry, doesn't matter. They're not worth that. Uh, so I don't think he holds all the cards. And I, I'm going back to what I said earlier. I don't think there's going to be any team sports in 2020. It wouldn't shock me. I think COVID's going to kind of win 2020. So Boo. just my two cents on that. So we do kind of have a, I mean, I hope you're wrong, but you might be right. Probably right. Um, remember that we do sort of have a precedent for a quarterback, like betting on themselves in a contract year who Our was cousins? an iffy proposition. Yeah. But actually going back a little farther, this one, will, this one will be, uh, it's just the way it turned out was crazy. In 2011, Joe Flacco turned down an extension um, after a, pretty good year but he bet on himself to have a big year in 2012 and he had a okay regular season and the possibly the best three game playoff run ever Damn it, Raheem Moore. 
Raheem Moore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, had had a uh, had a free safety merely had Chris Collette been playing free safety, then uh Joe Flacco would not have made his money and the Broncos probably would have won the Super Bowl that year, but uh, that's another matter. Yeah, I'll be curious what happens. With Jerry Jones, you never know what to expect. At some point, if you're Dak, you have to realize with what they're paying you, you look at your receiver core and say, this is the best they can come up with. It's going to get a lot worse if they pay you another $15 million additional dollars per year. Like At some point, you got to care about who you're throwing the ball to. Um, but, you know, if he can get it, more power to him. But... Um, there are good quarterbacks that went unsigned. You know, I know health may be a reason for uh, the Cam Newtons and stuff of the world, mm-hmm. but back in the day when you had just a serviceable quarterback who always got re-signed to an extension in the NFL because of how important the position is, I just don't think the NFL is that way anymore. I think they see the talent in college, and everybody thinks that, you know, there's a Trevor Lawrence coming every year. Uh, I think that's trickle up from high school. Like high school football, you see more passing – passing like schools that pass the ball and same with college, you have the air raid, whatever. Uh, I think it's just a trickle up. They're going to have more passers that are competent that are yeah. available. Air raid. Shout out to how mummy. Um, all right, guys, I saw this article. Uh, I think it was a, uh, representative from Arizona yep. who is trying to pass a bill uh, it's not been passed. Don't want to mislead anybody here, but they have proposed a federal bill where every American would basically get $8,000 for a vacation that had to be used by the end of next year. You have to stay in the United States. You have to leave. You have to go further than 50 miles from your house. But after that, it can be used for for lodging, for entertainment, for food. For each kid you got, you get an extra 500 bucks. Um, so guys, we're looking at $9,000 to vacation somewhere in America. Chris, where are you going? Uh, when you asked this question, I was a toss up and I was between Wyoming slash Montana. Go, go explore the mountains, uh, get away from people. Uh, my second option was Seagrove beach. Uh, terrible idea. Uh, awesome idea. Um, uh, Florida man going to sucker punch you. That's cool. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I think Seagrove Beach, Beach is a like. I think the whole 38 there is kind of separate to an extent. Uh, we went there for Christmas. Had one of the best vacations ever. Uh, it is a little more expensive, but you also don't have to see people and you don't have to see Florida man. So <laughs> uh, you are paying for that, That's and it, it's it's a nice expense to pay for. Uh, it was a great vacation. The water's clear. The sand's white. The beach isn't full, uh, and I mean you can walk everywhere. It was, it was a phenomenal vacation. So, and for nine thousand dollars, I think I can pull both of them off. Uh, <laughs> That's a good so, point. yeah, I think I would do both. I think uh, unless you I try would, to go to like Jackson Hole, Wyoming, or something. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm, I'm trying to get away from people, not not see more people. Uh, I just. Generally, not if like when I want to get away, I want to get away. I don't want to try to see more butts. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, I'm. I'm just trying to stay away from people and uh, have pretty sights. So that's that's what I'm going for. I knew it. Hickman, where are you going? Nine thousand dollars, man. Like again, with nine thousand dollars, got to be a place where the um, where the Kids can Time be okay. Real fast. 
Yeah. How many times can your wife and kids fly to Tampa and back <laughs> over the next <laughs> over the next year and a half? For nine thousand dollars, yeah. Oh my that's gosh, un, that's almost unlimited trips there. It's, un, it's more than unlimited. Uh, yeah, more than unlimited. Yeah, I'm not sure what more than unlimited is, but uh, yeah, Allegiant yeah. Allegiant is unreasonably cheap. Uh, my current round trip, or the, the last ticket I booked, was like eighty bucks round trip right now from Knoxville down there. So. Yeah, um, I would take advantage of that. But the, with, with this, you got to take the family. You got to take a place to be good for the kids. So similar to Chris's second answer, a beach. I'd get a beach house where there's not a lot of people around. Um, I, not super picky wear, probably golf, I guess, because, again, it's kid-focused. If it was just uh, Alicia and me, we would make that $8,000 stretch for a while and go see lots and lots of places. There's a point 2.0? There you go. Exactly. <laughs> there was a point in time where if it was just me by myself, I'd have made that $4,000 last for, you know, four months. <laughs> Those were the good old days. Hey, can we also throw this one out there? Hopefully AWOL's listening. Um, AWOL would have the $9,000. How many people does he text that he doesn't normally talk to to spend the night <laughs> to save 80 bucks? Uh, well, you, you, know, get... you know he's traveling all over this country. He'll, yeah, AWOL would go everywhere. He would he'd so figure it thing out. Is, like, I'm envious. We have a couple of friends who the husband and wife are both teachers. Um, and so every summer they have a camper and they got two kids and they just like, like right now they're up in the Northeast. Uh, they normally go out West. Basically, I mean, they just have basically two months. Um, so they normally take three or four weeks and just kind of go see, go see America. So part of me thinks that would be cool. Um, but knowing my wife, we're going to either Southern California with the kids. Um, just love that San Diego Huntington Beach area. Or she's trying to get some mammoth house in the Outer Banks, and she's going to try to stay there for two or three weeks. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to one coast. I just don't know which one it is. My initial thought was, you know, go see Alaska in the summer or something. And then I was told that they are not accepting visitors at this time, basically anymore Hawaii. So, so I think we're heading Southern California, maybe the Outer Banks. Um, but guys, normally when I take my big summer vacation, some you know every other year we try to take the kids, and then on the off years it's just me and my wife that go somewhere. And all those plans got scrapped this year. But normally it's that big summer vacation, whether it's in June or July, that I on my way to the airport, buy a couple of fantasy football magazines, and that's how I start my research. Um, I'm keeping the industry alive, but being one of the few people who actually read the magazines instead of staring at my phone. Uh, but Hickman, when will you start, or when do you start prepping for the fantasy football season? That's a great question. Um, later and later, it seems, over the years. There was a <laughs> point in time where I would, about now, I'd have magazines, I'd have my spreadsheets. I, when I would go to the beach, I'd sit there and just scroll out on my legal pad, my thoughts and ideas to then be all primed for the draft. Um, a couple years ago, I don't think I, I think my preparation started a few hours before the draft. Um, I am a notoriously terrible, terrible drafter. So I'm not sure that it matters when I begin preparing, but um, this year I'll probably start preparing a couple weeks before I'll start. I'll grab a magazine like you do Logan and start flipping through it and, See who my sleepers are going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I think this year is crazy because I'm not sure it's worth preparing um, a yeah. whole lot. But last year, I probably did the least amount of prep that I normally do. I mean, I'm, I'm like, hey, man, I've, I've got the Excel spreadsheets and I'm running analytics with all these magazines, doing my own. Like, and I have a list of I rank all the players in every position. Um, last year was the first year in a long time I hadn't done that. And guess what? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah. Um, Chris, who thought he was going to win, and then he decided his team really sucked. Um, Hickman, who couldn't overcome his terrible drafting strategy, couldn't couldn't beat this guy over here, who is the supreme dominator of all things fantasy, because I was also going to win our fantasy basketball league this year, too. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, I was totally going to win that one. Chris, you were uh, near the bottom, right? Nope, I was in sixth place. Sixth place right oh, here. That was Hickman at the bottom. So I, I was, was I was seven. in the playoffs safely. Oh well, my team was not going to be beat. Um, so normally July fourth is kind of when the magazines start coming out. That's kind of when I start grabbing them and you know doodling and jotting. Uh, every year I always start my fantasy football prepping prepping with Matthew Berry's. You know his hundred his article based about a hundred things about fantasy football. And I kind of make notes starting from that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this year we're not drafting till the end of August um, for most of my leagues. And so I can't imagine about a week before then I'll do a whole lot. Uh, I may send out a few trash talk videos to you guys to let you rem- remind you who won last year. Good, good. I'll do a lot more prepping for that than I will <laughs> the actual season. Um, Cause I don't need to repeat to feel good about myself feel pretty damn good about myself right now chris when you gonna start yeah i'm not starting this year uh (laughs) no no prep we're going into into this year uh we're drafting in vegas uh i plan on all my attention being uh focused on poker while we're in vegas uh so yeah i don't i don't feel the need to prep for this at all so we're getting zero prep also as i said before twice already i'm not I don't think there's going to be a season. Like I'm not, don't think they're going to finish the season. So I have a hard time putting too much effort into something. I don't think it's going to finish. So, yep. I'm not ready to cry. All right. Um, guys, we can briefly mention this one, Mr. Djokovic, him and his wife got the COVID along with several other tennis players who decided to all party together. Um, Big deal or not such a big deal, Hickman, in the tennis world when the biggest name has the COVID? That's probably a big deal. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> not great. Uh, I mean, I hope he gets better. I hope it's not a big deal that he and his wife recover quickly. But, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, if LeBron got COVID, if, you know, Mahomes got COVID, that would all be a pretty big deal. So, yeah, it's not not a small issue. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before the podcast, but there's so many people that are like, you know, just give everybody the COVID. You don't have to worry about it later. Um, And I think we all kind of agreed. Like, there's just so much about this disease that we don't know. I mean, I would prefer to not risk permanent lung damage for the rest of my life. Um, That's just you, man. (laughs) I get my advice from from Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Need to take one for the team and build that herd immunity if it's really even a thing. We don't know. Um Chris, does this change the, the amount of tennis you you plan to watch knowing that Joker has the COVID? 
Um, I, I just watched the majors anyway. Wimbledon got canceled. I don't watch the French. So I think the Australians already happened, right? So I don't know, but what, why don't you like has. the French? Uh, it's clay court. Nobody likes clay court. Nobody you likes just Rafa. Don't like Rafa. Rafa. I say Rafa likes the clay court. Uh, yeah, I, like I, don't, I don't like Rafa. Uh, and as far as Joker goes, as I told DJ, uh, our WNBA uh, fan, I would just said, uh, you know what? If I look like Joker, I'd probably party with my shirt off too. So uh, <laughs> I understand fair. where he's coming from That's there. Fair. So uh, it happens. Okay. It is what it is. Well, guys, speaking of the of the corona. Um, it came out last weekend. LSU has quarantined 32 players. Clemson's got 30 some that's tested positive. Um, you know, it looks like we may have rushed these kids back to campus. Uh, I was telling these guys before we started university of Kentucky came out this past week and actually announced that they didn't test any players when they first got to campus, even though that's what the plan was for some reason they didn't do it. Uh, I guess in the words of our president, you can't have any positives if you don't test them. So we got, we got a whole lot of stuff going on. Um, I think there's some, you know, people that are getting nervous. I don't think I've said this on the podcast, but, uh, rumor has it that we will, I will feel confident when, if we're going to have college football, when ESPN announces who's going to do Monday night football. Um, so it was leaked a couple weeks ago that basically if, um, you know they they're they're looking for a new team this year, a new uh, a new broadcast team. If there's no college football, Herb Street is taking over him, and I think um, Reese Davis are taking over Monday Night Football. Um, but they don't want to make that decision until you know if they know there's no college football, they want their best team to do something. So if it's announced that there's a different somebody doing it, you know if they decide to. Uh, to bring Booger back or something like that. If they announce a team, then that's ESPN saying we're confident that there will be some college football played. Until they announce that, I'm not confident that there's – because they're not confident. That would be uh, the most excited I would ever be to hear that Booger McFarlane was going to be back on the air. <laughs> Him and Jason Witten coming back. I'd you. be thrilled. I don't – yeah. Oh, man. I don't know which one I would want there. I guess I'd still have a mute button, so. Oh. <laughs> uh, <sighs> Gronk could do that. Could be the play-by-play man. I'd be thrilled. It'd be great. <laughs> but I did see where um, several MLS cities um, have announced that they are expecting a season with fifty percent capacity um, in their stadiums. Chris, if Neyland is having fifty percent capacity, one, are you going to be one of them? And two, does that bode well that we have a full season, a shortened season, or no season? Uh, one, I won't be part of them and it has very little to do with the COVID. It has more to do with, I'm not a fan of going to football games. It is, I have a better seat for my couch, it's cheaper. It's more temperature friendly, uh, all the above. So I won't be in the seats. Uh, I think if they, if they opened up 50% capacity, they would have no problem feeling 50% capacity as long as they were winning. Uh, there's enough people that would be like, Oh, sign me up. I'm there. So. Now, I don't know. Uh, I really don't know what college football is going to look like this year. Uh, I, it's if it's spring twenty twenty one, it wouldn't surprise me. Now, uh, not not to go too political. I always assumed, no matter if they put twenty percent, fifty percent, a hundred percent capacity in the stands, fans are going to show up. Um, but 
there was a presidential rally in which the president has has never had any issue in in getting massive amounts of people to show up. Um, and in Oklahoma in a 19,000 square foot arena, the dude got a little over 6,000 people. I mean, and whether you love him or hate him, the dude brings the crowd everywhere he goes. So to me, that was kind of indicative of, Hey, this raucous crowd that loves the guy, if they're not willing to get together, maybe we don't have as many fans willing to pack a stadium as, as I would, as I've always thought, um, Pickman, would you be one of the 50,000 at one game this year in Neyland? I wouldn't. I'm similar to Chris. Like uh, it's, it's, I guess I'm just getting older, but my opinions of live of going to sports live sort of changed TV. Like part of it, TV has gotten so much better. Like I can watch it on my big TV with an incredible picture and see 15 other scores. Um, a TV that it's super cheap too. That's the other thing about it. Like it's all really good and really cheap, the quality of those things. And then, um, yeah, like your time uh, involvement, all that stuff. It's just it's so different. So yeah, with the exception of going to the Preds hockey game, which is an absolute blast, um, and that's <laughs> you know it's not not all about the game. But anyway, no, I'm we can we can still do Cookville weekend and just scrap the Preds part of it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we can't I'm do two a... days in Cookville. <laughs> hey, your bank account will survive. <laughs> My bank account will survive. I, yeah, I could. Yeah, that's true. So maybe we do that. Look out, Vinny T's. Winter 21, we're here. Maybe we'll figure out what Vinny T's looks like in the daytime as we show up on a Saturday no, afternoon. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't Too scary. Don't, Don't want it to ruin my opinion. At some Part- point, I got to order one of those sandwiches, too. Uh, one of them $1.50 Sammies. <laughs> <laughs> Part, part of me wonders if I would be one of those, like the thing that attracts me to football games. I mean, I, I'm not a Tennessee fan, but you know, I go to about one a year or so UT game for the atmosphere. It's crazy yeah, atmosphere. It's really super fun. If you have half the amount of people there, is it the same atmosphere? Um, I don't go by myself. I like to go with friends. If we have to sit six feet apart, that ain't worth doing either. Um, right. you know, so if you don't have the tailgating and the camaraderie and the atmosphere, it's definitely not worth it. I don't care what the cost is. Um, but to me, there's also something like, I think I'd be intrigued of just trying to go, you know, if it was an option just to see like, this is, you know, really what it's like. Cause I got a feeling this year on TV, if we have games, they're going to be pumping in sound. Um, they're going to be, you know, the atmosphere is going to be totally different. Um, yeah. So, Part of me wonders if I would be interested in going, but yeah, that price would have to be right there. Speaking of the price being right, Hickman, your wife loves to spend money on peaches, evidently. I just learned this. Yes. Um, there's this uh, something called the peach truck, and apparently it's a big deal. And the peach truck comes to your city with a crazy amount of peaches, and you pay $43 to buy 25 pounds of peaches. <laughs> so there's a lot of peaches um and uh we have had a ton of peaches in my house and i've eaten a ton of raw peaches i've eaten them over ice cream i made a milkshake out of some peaches that was incredible that was amazing it was incredible the peaches best that thing on chick-fil-a menu uh, right there they were just about to go bad so they weren't, weren't great just to eat so i cut it up and had some ice cream that was really old in the back of the freezer Tossed in the blender. Best thing I've had. Anyway, 
diet's going real well. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna spend forty three dollars on fruit, what's your fruit? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, how long are peaches good for? So it it depends. You can like you can freeze them. You can do some things. But you can usually and you get them when they're still not ripe. So you have to ripen them, and you can speed it up, slow it down, whatever you want. A um, couple weeks, I guess. Okay. Maybe um, two and a half. I mean, when I think of fruit that I could pretty much eat unlimited amounts of, I mean, 25 pounds of fruit is a whole lot of fruit to a lot of fruit. go through in a couple weeks. Um, to me, I think of the melons. I think of cantaloupe and watermelon. But where do you store 25 pounds of watermelon? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly it could be like, five watermelons though <laughs> i mean i don't know how you how you roll those into the house um but i'm pretty confident i could eat unlimited cantaloupe and just not get hungry and not stop we love cantaloupe yep so big cantaloupe person of the fruit i eat the most of though it's probably grapes i mean you just go through a big old bowl of yeah. grapes like it's nothing um but to be fair, I don't know how, how long grapes are good for because they show up at our house and then we eat them in a couple of days. So eventually they're wine, so it's all good. Oh, there you go. Maybe grapes is the answer. Chris, what are you going with? Um, I've I've thought this over. I <laughs> like part of me says strawberries because I love strawberries. I I probably eat it's now that I'm dieting, I probably eat, I don't know, half a pound of strawberries a day. Uh so strawberries, maybe. I love peaches. Uh, the only thing with yeah. that is you actually have to peel them, and that there's actually work involved. Nah. Uh, watermelon. Yeah, you can just bite right in. Watermelon. Uh, I love watermelon. Uh, my biggest takeaway was I get these alerts whenever the wife spends money on the credit card, and if I saw $43 and it said peach truck, <laughs> she was getting a screenshot and some expletives following it. Uh <laughs> Today, today I got an alert that said Matilda Jane store Uh-oh. or something like that. Oh, and I good. just, I just, I just took a screenshot and I'm like, are you effing serious? Does that girl need any more clothes? <laughs> All uh, right. Well, you're not getting any of the peach jam so, that we got then. <laughs> so yeah, $43 on, on peaches is, oh man. It's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh. I, I, I would, if I could do like a mixture of strawberries, peaches, watermelon, oh, sign me up for that one. But just 25 straight pounds of peaches, I could eat that much, but I couldn't spend $43 and look at myself in the mirror and not hate myself for that. So, well, I feel really good about myself after this pep talk, guys. So, <laughs> I do now. Yeah, I think I would need a cornucopia of fruits there. Give me some cherries. You know, you can do all kinds of stuff with you. Like, Raspberries. Yeah. Get you some like you need something you can like throw into a cobbler or into a pie. You know you can just sugar peach, it up, peach. sugar it up. Yeah, peaches. You know, <laughs> I think you need a you need a fruit like a peach that you can just kind of that's multifaceted. Um, you can do all kinds of stuff with. You're, you're not making a grape milkshake. You're not making an apple milkshake. You're not nope. making a you know that's that's the thing about peaches. They're so versatile. They are versatile. I like it. Um, something I don't know if the, the uh, we'll end with this. I don't know if a couple guys how how well they'll be liked in the NBA, but uh, Mr. Bertans and Trevor Ariza have decided that they will not enter the NBA bubble. 
Um, Chris, if you're a teammate of David Bertans or Trevor Reza, how pissed are you? I'm not pissed at all. Uh, Reza has some extenuating circumstances, some child custody thing. Uh, him and his one, his baby mama's, uh, his baby mama have been having a quite the custody battle, and he basically has one month to see his kid the whole month. So that's his situation. So you understand his, his situation. Uh, Bertans, he has two, he's blown his ACL twice. Uh, he's Ooh. having a career year this year, averaging 16 points for the wizards and he's a unrestricted free agent. So, um, I understand him saying, Hey, I'm the ninth seat. We're the ninth seed right now. Are we really going to make do anything? Uh, I want to get paid before I hurt myself again. <laughs> so I think, I mean, John Wall, he's healthy now, but he's not going to play, I don't think. So if you're the Wizards, I mean, you can kind of look at that and say, uh, okay. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, I wouldn't be mad at either one. I would understand their situations. Hickey, if you're another team, how eager are you to sign somebody who just quit on their team because they were the quote-unquote ninth seed? Well... <laughs> That's some, that's some serious spin there, Logan. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris just laid out a totally reasonable reason as to why each of these guys are doing what they're doing. And I like what you got out of it. So, oh, one American news over here. So, <laughs> uh, call Mike Gundy. Anyway, um, no, I it wouldn't bother me at all. Like you got to look at somebody making decisions, and if it's a good decision for them and their family, and if it is the right decision. And I respect that. And it wouldn't stop me from signing them. Uh, spin cycle over here. If this was a chug super poor, I'd be <laughs> pouring this out. Um, <laughs> you know, we're coming on the heels of father's day. I'm pro dad. I understand Ariza um, doesn't have custody of his kids. This is opportunity to see them. I'm sorry, dude, but here's the deal. When it comes to life, when you sign a contract, you know, and they're paying you millions on that contract. It means there are certain things that have to happen. Like David Bertans, it means you sometimes play and risk doing something. You are going to stand out there and shoot threes, Mr. Bertans. If you possibly tear an ACL standing out there at seven foot shooting threes. You've only done it twice. Then you don't need to be signed by anybody else. Um, you know, your, your quote unquote health concerns aren't really health concerns. You just don't want to be out there if you're not going to win a title. Another uh, thing, if they could win a title, I would I would think differently. But yeah, they're not winning the title. Trailblazers and the Wizards aren't winning a title. So yeah, I mean, it is what you, it is. Could you imagine Dwight Howard going into LeBron's office and saying, "Hey, man, just so you know, I ain't rolling into that bubble. I can't do it. I'm too too scared." Um, could you imagine Dwight Howard? Any, so possibly, <laughs> could you imagine anybody on the Lakers? <laughs> no. Tell LeBron they ain't playing. Well, apparently J.R. Smith's coming to the Lakers now. So, <laughs> yes, yes. I do feel like it's fair to point out that Logan, you do have a history of doubting people's knee injuries. I've got. <laughs> you know, I'm about to tell you a quick story. No, he believed Cole. Everybody you... believed Cole. No, um, intramural basketball think... freshman year. You weren't there, Chris. Um, a guy on our team falls over while dribbling and is like laying on the ground saying his knee hurts. He's our teammate. Logan picks up the ball, steps over him, says, oh, you ain't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he lips over to the sideline and totally blown out his ACL. <laughs> I had never heard that story. Oh, uh, man, it was great. Once on the soccer team in high school, a kid was, <laughs> it was like the, um, whoever it is, like the strength team, like those bodybuilders that like rip phone books that would come to your high power school. Team. Come power on, team. Come on, man. Oh, Walker, man. Texas yeah. Ranger over yeah. here. They made, they made a special. So the, pa- stranger. So yeah. the power oh, team them. comes to my high school and we're having practice afterwards. And there's all these like, you know, busted blocks and stuff behind the, uh, behind the gym. And one of the freshmen on the soccer team decides instead of stretching and warming up, he's going to try to karate chop these things. And so he has a couple kids hold it. He tries to karate chop it and he is screaming bloody murder block. Doesn't break. He's holding his wrist. I go over there as a captain. I look at it and I say, man, you're fine. It's not swollen. I've always been told, or no, it was swollen. I was like, I've always been told if it's a break, it's not going to swell up. Like you're, you're stupid. <laughs> so he hides it from coach for the whole practice. He thinks he's going to get in trouble and come to, he shows up to school the next day and this huge old cast on his arm that he had broke everything <laughs> from his fingertip to his elbow, basically. <laughs> But for some reason, oh, I will have power to convince him that he was perfectly fine. So if you need a good nurse, let me know. Um, I will be more than happy to diagnose your symptoms and tell you that you will be okay. Yep, uh, 100%. And Cole ended up being okay, largely to your uh, encouragement. <laughs> uh, at some point, my kids are going to do something. I'm going to tell them they're okay, and mama's going to find out they are, in fact, not okay, and it's not Are you talking about, like, when your wife pushes a kid down the slide? Is that what you're talking about? (laughs) Uh, Chris, we're not going to talk about how both of my kids had broken bones before their second birthdays, okay? (laughs) We're not going to talk about that on this podcast. Uh, But next week, we're going to talk about lots of fun stuff. It'll be episode 47. Maybe a bracket. Hickman, come up with a bracket. Give us a bracket, Hickman. Got it. A bracket of conspiracy theories, please. Gonna struggle with that one. <laughs> We're gonna have something fun. It's gonna be entertaining, uh, and it may be about sports. It may be about beer guts, um, but it'll be about something you're gonna want to listen to. Uh, so appreciate your time this week. We'll hit you back up next week. This has been episode 46 of the Sports Nuts and Beer Guts.